listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. If you have a Bible or an iPad or a something, uh, go ahead and open it to Matthew 23. We are in week 50 of our series on the Gospel of Matthew. If you're a guest of ours, we started last Christmas. Yes, that is last Christmas. And we are working our way through this gospel, and we have about 10 or 11 weeks left. Uh, but it's been a, a good time for us to, to really see the theme of the book, that Christ has all authority in heaven and in earth. So we're going to continue that today in chapter 23. I, uh, I've told you before, uh, I'm, we're a dog family. I mean, we have a cat, but it's not my will and uh, desire, and I have no care or concern for that animal. But we do love dogs in our house, and we're a big dog family, too. We're not a little dog family. Because every dog under 50 pounds is a cat, and cats are pointless. And, uh, right? so, uh, so I have two dogs, Maverick and Maisie. Maverick's about 100 pounds, and he's uh, this big yellow Grand Pyrenees lab, something mix. We got him from the shelter. And, and he'll jump up on me and put his arms on my shoulders, and he literally is as, as tall as me, and, uh, which is not saying a ton, I know, but he's a pretty big dog, and he's pretty strong. And, uh, and then we have Maisie, who's about a 70 or 80 pound lab mix, and and they're sweet, and I love them, and they're great. And I walk them every morning. And I used to walk them with two different leashes, and it was a little bit chaotic because they'd be all over the place. So I went on Amazon a few weeks ago, and I got this grand invention. It's this, it's this double leash, and it's tricked out, this thing. is awesome. It's got, like, shock absorbers because I need them because they're 180 pounds worth of dogs pulling. And then the best thing about this is it's got this little waist thing where I click it in. I click this thing in like I'm strapping into a parachute or something like that. I'm like, oh, let's go. And so we go on our walk and everything's fine for the most part until there's a squirrel or a deer or another dog or a car or a tree or something else. And then it's, it's like the Iditarod. I'm, I'm like a dog sled, right? I'm just like getting drugged like this. And, and my response is often like, whoa, whoa, right? It's like, it's like I'm, they're horses and I'm like, whoa, stop, pull back, right? And that happens for about, you know, all 20 times in a mile and a half. Whoa, stop, you're gonna kill me, all right? And, and I was thinking about that and, and how I'm always, whoa, whoa, whoa. We come to our text today, Jesus is gonna say the same thing. He's gonna say, whoa. But my woe is W-O-A-H. Stop, you're gonna die. Jesus' woe is W-O-E. And, and it's judgment, it's calamity, it's danger, right? And he's gonna address a group of folks that he's, kind of given the last warning to this Pharisees where we're going to see the, the, the culmination of this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees where he now, uh, this is his last public address before he is betrayed and crucified. And this is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back for the Pharisees, right? Because he's going to pronounce calamity on them for, for what they have been doing. And here's where I want us to go today, Right? We're gonna see Jesus is, is going to call them out. And, and there's a tendency to think, oh, Jesus is just being harsh. This is not Jesus being harsh. Now, I will say this. If your picture of Jesus is just gentle and humble and lowly, he is that. But today, this is Jesus' thunder and lightning, right? Because this is it's come to a head, what these folks are doing. But there's still a tenderness in it. At the end of the chapter, I'm gonna start here. He, he says to them, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often but I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. There is a desire for Jesus. I wish you would listen. I wish you would respond. I wanted to do this, but you were not willing. And these folks continually were not willing. And Jesus is gonna be very 
harsh. But it's not because he's harsh. And it's not because they're just, they're sinful, sinful people. It's not because they're sinful per se that he is gonna pronounce these woes. It's because they're pretending to be something they're not. Jesus says unlimited grace and mercy for repentant sinners. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. But when it comes to playing a part, and that's what the word hypocrite means. It means I'm, I'm playing a part, I'm putting a mask on. I'm pretending to be one thing, but I'm really another. I'm pretending to be spiritual, but really I don't want you, God. And that is where he drops the hammer. And for us, here's what I wanna do. I want to look at the woes that Jesus pronounces. And if we identify these in our, in our life, then we wanna say, whoa, we need to pull back. Right? I want to go woe to the woes because we do not want to be hypocrites. And we often joke, you know, people like say, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. And we're like, no, we're not full. Come on, there's plenty of room. You know, that's kind of the common joke. Not at this service, but maybe at eight o'clock. But, and I get what you're saying, but there's a difference between being people who recognize we're broken and sinful and needy and we own it than people who pretend that we are spiritual, but we're not. There's a difference. And that's what we don't want to be. So we're going to try to go woe to some of these woes. And we're going to cover all of chapter 23, which is a lot of text. So we're going to be moving. Um, Jesus is going to give seven woes and I have a few others. So I actually have nine points for you today. Which you're, if you're a Baptist, that's three weeks of sermons all in one, right? <laughs> but my goal is not for you uh, to say, okay, I got nine things I got to do. That's not the goal here. There's no way that you're going to get all these nine and be like, oh, I got this, I'll master this. But that maybe one or two would spark something inside, that the Spirit of God would take this one or this one and say, yeah, that's me. I got a, I got a woe to that woe. And that's the goal for today, all right? And we don't wanna just see what they're doing wrong. We wanna actually flip it and say, okay, if this is wrong, this is what hypocrisy looks like. Let's do the opposite. Let's, be, let's do the opposite. So let me jump in, we'll read the first couple verses and we'll jump in. Then Jesus said to his, the crowds and his disciples, and remember where we were last week, they played that spiritual jeopardy, right? Question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And then at the end, they just, they're done. They don't, they don't say anything. They've been shut down because they know they can't say anything. And so they're still standing there right in the temple with their funny hats on and their, and their big outfits. And there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are standing there watching them. And Jesus is now going to talk about them with them in the room. And that's awkward, but he ain't gonna pull any punches. And so he says, the scribes and Pharisees, these guys, the scribes and Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. And, and so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. And he's speaking tongue in cheek here. So they, they assume that they have the authority of Moses. So do whatever they tell you, but don't do what they do, because they're a bunch of hypocrites, <laughs> right? And you're like, ouch, yeah, ouch. But then he's gonna tell what they do, what he's talking about. First one, verse four. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. The image I thought of here is, remember the Grinch who stole Christmas and the Grinch puts that big old bag on the, on the little poor little dog with the fake reindeer and then the big old sled and this little dog has to pull this big sled and it's just way too big. That's what they do. Burden after burden after, this is what following God looks like. This is what you have to do. Do rules or rules or rules or rules. And they make it harder and harder and harder and harder and harder to follow God. That's what they do. Just let me give you an example. So the Sabbath, one of their big ones. If you read through the Pentateuch, the law, there's only a couple chapters that deal with the Sabbath, just a few. 
You can read them in 10 minutes. But what they did is they created rules upon rules upon rules. So if you read the, the Mishnah, which is really the oral law redacted, the kind of commentary on it, they got 24 chapters just on the Sabbath. If you read through the Talmud, which there's 156 large double folio pages just on the Sabbath. Rule upon rule upon rule. So for instance, if you wanted to write something, you were only allowed to dip your pen in the ink so that you could write two letters. If you had more than two letters worth of ink, you broke the Sabbath. If you wanted to eat, fine, but you're only allowed to lift a fork that has the size of a a dried fig on it. If not, you broke the Sabbath. You can only have one sip of your milk at a time. If you're like, you can't chug the milk. No, broke the Sabbath, right? You can only lift one lamp at a time. If you have a chicken and your chicken lays an egg on the Sabbath, you are not allowed to eat the egg from the law-breaking chicken. (laughs) But what you can do is you can sell your egg to a Gentile and make money and not break the law. Because after all, we can't eat an egg that's, that's born or, or laid on the Sabbath because that's breaking. And it's just nauseum. You can read through it. Rule upon rule upon rule upon rule. They made it so hard to follow and then they offer no help. Notice they make rules and then they don't even offer help. They don't do anything. They just make rules and pile it on. And here's the first thing I, I wanna say woe to today that I want us to think of is we should not make following Christ harder than it already is. All right, following Christ is simple, but it is not easy. And Jesus tells us not, in this world you'll have trouble, right? So it's, it's very simple, but it is not easy. And we, as the people of God, should not make it more difficult and challenging than it is to follow Jesus by adding rules and expectations. Oh, you wanna be a Christian? Okay, you gotta do this, 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 this. Oh, and by the way, once you've done that and that's not enough, you gotta do this, this, this. We shouldn't make it more challenging. We should be easier, right? And we do this all the time. We do it with things like uh, serving and in, 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 in standing for uh, pro-life ministries, which are biblical and are good because abortion is sin. But what we do is say that is wrong, but we offer no solution and no help. Well, we're not going to help the single mom. We're not going to help the person in trouble. We're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to tell you you're wrong and then we're going to walk away. That's what we're talking about. You need to do this, but I'm not going to help you, but you need to do this. You need to read your Bible. More and more and more. Well, how do I do that? Well, you figure that out. I'm not going to help you, right? Or we have unwritten rules and expectations. You're expected to do this. You're expected to do why. And then, it, and then we remind you when you fail and we remind you how bad you are and, and we compare you. Why can't you be like her husband? Why can't you be like their kids? Why can't you be this? Why can't you be that? And we offer no hope and no grace. It's all about rules and laws. And life is challenging enough to make it harder to follow Jesus than it is. What is the prereqs that Jesus has to following him? Come to me, all who are what? Heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Weary and heavy laden, that's the prereqs. Are you weary or heavy laden? He gives rest. We, we have to ask ourselves, are we giving rest? Are we making more challenging? Well, that's fine, but you have to do X. You have to do Y, you have to do Z. If we are, we're being hypocrites like them, and we need to say, whoa, Woe to making harder than it already is. That's the first thing they do. Look at the next thing, verse five. They do all their deeds to be seen by others for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and they love the places of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others, right? What do they do? They wanna be 
seen. If, if there was social media in this day, these guys would have been the influencers. They would have had all the likes and the followers. They want to be seen. They would make their phylacteries. That's a, for those who don't know, you can Google it and you can see what these things are like. There's these little wooden leather boxes that they would put verses in and then they would put it on their foreheads, right? Because they took literally Exodus 13, which says it shall, the word of God shall be a sign to you on your hand and a memorial between your eyes. They're like, oh, okay, we need to put verses in a box and put it in our forehead. Now, it's interesting that the next part says, and the law of the Lord will be in your mouth. They didn't start chewing on them. If they were gonna take it literally, they should have gone all the way. It was clear that God wasn't saying, oh, you gotta put a box on your wrist and your forehead. No, that you should keep these things before you. That should be part of your, of your being. But they, what they do is they would put these verses in a box, they put it on their forehead, and some of the guys would be like, hey, I, I got an extra large box. You wanna wear that? Oh, yeah. And so they would make their boxes bigger and bigger so they're all heads on phone. And people would be like, look how spiritual he is. He's got the whole Old Testament on his head. And then they have these fringes on their, on their cloaks, the same ones that Jesus would have wore. Remember, <coughs> Remember when the lady touches the fringe and she's healed? And maybe the average one's three, four inches, who knows? They're, but they made make there, oh, we got two feet. We gotta have these long robes and we gotta go to the, all the marketplaces so people are like, oh, look who's here, Rabbi, he's at Publix, he's got his collar on. Bless you, my daughter and my son, yes, I'm here. That's what they loved, to be seen. And he says, you're a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. And so how do we say woe to hypocrisy? Here's how, be obscure, be invisible. Be anonymous. I know that is so countercultural to a, a world and generation that just wants what? Followers and likes and views. That's where we live, right? That's, that's where we're pushed. And I would argue that social media is one of the greatest grounds for hypocrisy there is because look, look how pretty my salad is. I'll put my salad on Pinterest and my salad's better than your Big Mac and look how spiritual I am because I eat this and you eat that and look how great my vacation was and how pretty my family is and how nice my car is and how this and this and we want people to see and it's all a myth anyway because you were yelling at each other the whole, whole vacation but you got the pick so that everyone can see how great your family looks and it's a breeding ground for being seen. Obscurity is good. Not winning the MVP and being known for what you have done is actually a good thing. And this is not new. We saw it in Matthew 5. Jesus says, when you fast, do what? Fast in secret. When you give, give in secret. When you pray, get in your closet and hide and pray in secret. Because in the end, there really is no secrets because God sees it all. And so we say, whoa, to hypocrisy. We don't think, do things to be seen, to get an attaboy, to get a great job. Aren't you so gifted? We do it to be seen by the one who sees it all. So maybe in your next meeting, you should be quiet, that your voice is not as important as you think it is. Your opinion may not be as valuable as you think. Maybe obscurity is the path you should pursue. And I, and I recognize the irony here. I'm talking about being obscure, and there's probably been 14, 1,500 people in this room today that are hearing me. And so you're like, well, how are you obscure? Sometimes God puts you in a place where you can't be. 
and that's okay too. But if that's what he does, make sure you're not reading your own press clippings. I am pretty great, aren't I? That you would remember that you are just a servant, that he is the one who is great. But if we wanna say, whoa to hypocrisy, we gotta say, hey, why am I doing this? Am I obscure? Obscurity is good. Next passage. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ, the Messiah. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The point here is not that all the kids get to call their dad by the first name now. Oh, see, Bible says I don't have to call you father anymore. Jim, where are we going to lunch today, Jim? That's not what I'm saying. If your son does that to you, we have permission to beat him, all right? As you have one, your parents are, are dad or yes, sir, and mom is mama or yes, ma'am. That's, that's the proper response. We do live in the South still, all right? The point Jesus is making is we're all, the ground is level at the cross. We are brothers, we are sisters, we are family. And titles mean nothing, right? They mean nothing. People often say, what should I, what should I call you? I say, Bill. <laughs> Unless you come from my hometown or you're friends with my parents, they all call me Billy. You are not allowed to call me Billy. <laughs> you can call me Bill. Because here's what titles do ultimately. Titles either feed an ego or they intimidate other people. Oh, I can't approach him. That's Bill. No, no. Right? There's only one title that matters. And we all bear it. It's the Greek word doulos. It means servant. Paul, a doulos of the Lord Jesus. Peter, a doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only title that matters, servant. When I was graduating, I told you some of you this before. One of my professors said, when when you walk across that stage, they're gonna say you have a master's in theology. Don't you believe them, right? Who am I? A servant. And so how do we say, whoa, to hypocrisy? Be a servant. If you feel that you are too qualified, too good, too fill in the blank, to do something, then you are a hypocrite and you're missing the point. If your education, your experience, your value, that's, that's below me. What does Paul say? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Diakonos, we are servants. What do servants do? Not true question. They serve. The height of hypocrisy is to say, I am a follower of Jesus and then not be a servant. Because he said, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and give his life as a ransom. So to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't serve anybody. I don't serve. I'm too good for that. It's hypocrisy. Because the son of man came to serve. And, and, and so we are all servants. And I'm not saying, it's not, we're not just talking about, oh, serve in the nursery, get on the coffee team. Of course those are important. But just be a servant. I'm the dad, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm the oldest, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm the this, I shouldn't have to do that. No, you serve. You serve. Why? Because Jesus served. Right? We're willing to serve because he did. So how do we say woe to this woe? We, we become servants because that's who we are. 
And now we actually get into the actual woes. Those are just prerequisites. So if you're already convicted, welcome to today. All right, here we go. Let's continue. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors, playing a game. Right? Why? You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. This may be the most damning of all the statements because he's saying, not only are you not going, you're keeping people, you're playing goalie on the kingdom here. You are keeping people out, right? Woe to you, calamity to you. You're a hindrance. You ever been, you know, you go to the Atlanta airport and they got that long, like, uh, it's not an escalator because it doesn't go up, but it's like an escalator and it's like 300 miles long and you get on it and it makes you walk real fast. You're all, you know, and the people that are really obnoxious, they go to the left and they walk instead of just resting on the right side. You know what I'm talking about? And I don't want to get on that thing because I want to keep my heart good, but some of y'all, you don't want to walk, so that's fine. So you get on that thing and then you get to the end and you kind of, you almost fall. But that thing moves you easily towards something, right? It, it makes it easier to get from one end to the other. And I think the point is that should be us. We should make it easier for people to find Christ, not be a hindrance, not slow them down, not stop. So if we're gonna say woe to hypocrisy, then don't be a hindrance to people seeing Christ to the kingdom of heaven. Don't be a hindrance. You say, how, how am I a hindrance? There's, there's plenty of ways. How about being a joyless, angry, unthankful, ungrateful Christian? How about that? Because if you're a joyless Christian, why should that person believe in your savior if you're miserable? They shouldn't, right? What if you go out, you go out to eat, you know, you hit the Carrie Hilliards afterwards and you go and you just got done from church and oh, isn't that song's great and the sermon's great and you go and you pray for your meal. Thank you for this Brunswick stew. Maybe bless me to this thine service, whatever that means. And then at the end of the day, you tip your waitress three bucks. She saw you pray, she sees you in your church clothes. It's a hindrance, right? It's a hindrance. Just get back from youth camp or college retreat and oh, God moved in great ways. It was such a great time and you're cheating on your chemistry test on Tuesday or you're plagiarizing your, somebody's project on Thursday. It's a hindrance. Here's a big one. This is why we don't have church bumper stickers. You put yourself a little fish on your car, a Christian fish, a little ichthus, right? That's what it's called. And you're flying down the road, cutting people off, honking. As soon as the light turns green, if they're not going, get off your phone. You know, giving the one finger salute if they do something wrong. But you got a fish on your car. It's a hindrance, right? Inviting friends from work to church but you're leaving 10 minutes early every day, taking long lunches. Or even you come to a place like this and it's greeting time again. And I know the introverts in the room hate that. I'm an introvert, I get it. But there's this person standing over there alone and you can just tell that they feel awkward, but you won't move towards them. It makes it a hindrance. Or you, you make it seem like, well, you can come to Jesus, but before you come to Jesus, you gotta get all cleaned up before you can come to God. Get your act together, Get these four or five things in a row, and then you can come to God. Is that the gospel? Or is the gospel that Christ welcomes and pays for all sin, past, present, and future, and then he cleans us up? It's a hindrance. It's a hindrance. And so we have to ask the question, ask the question, am I making Jesus more attractive or am I taking away from him? 
Another way we make a hindrance, we tell, well, God didn't really mean that. Even though the Bible is clear, oh, that, he didn't really mean that. You're pulling people away, keeping people from truth. So we want to not be a hindrance, we wanna help. That's how we say woe to hypocrisy. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, a follower. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much of a child of hell as yourself. Huh, tell us how you really feel, Jesus. You go and you make one proselyte, you go across the med, you go wherever, and then you make him worse than you. Why? Because they're making them just like themselves. See, they're, they're making disciples of themselves to do things the way they do, to believe the way they do, rather than what? Making disciples of God. Teaching, this is the deal, this is my deal, this is my way, this is, it's the idea that your way is the way. And so the way we pull back, the way we say woe to hypocrisy is you're not making followers of you, you're making followers of Christ. The song is not how great you are, it's how great thou art. And there is an aspect here where we say, follow me as I follow Christ, yes, but it's not follow me because I do things right, so follow me. Because we have a tendency when things work for us and it's fruitful, well, this is the way you do a devotion. This is the way you do your money. This is the way you raise your kids. This is the way you do this. This is the way. And this is the only way. There's actually people in this room that do their quiet time at night and they're no less spiritual than you who wake up at 4.30 and do their quiet time, just so you know. In fact, I would say they're more sane than you are, quite honestly. There's people in this room that will worship with all their heart and their eyes will be closed and they will not move and they will look down at the ground and they are worshiping just as hard as you who may have your hands up and are jumping around, right? Your way is not the way, unless it's scriptural, unless it's biblical, then it's your way. But the idea is, there is there's actually, believe it or not, there's other churches in this town that are faithful to scripture and to preach the gospel. We are not the only one. You, know, you realize this, right? Now, they may be wrong in things about baptism and stuff, okay? But they, they are preaching the gospel like we are preaching the gospel. They are trying to be faithful like we are trying to be faithful. And we are not making disciples of CBC. We're not all getting CBC tattoos. You're, you're not called a CBC-tion. You're a Christian, little Christ. Not a Bill-tion, not a Joe-tion. It's Christian, those who follow Christ. And so what we are doing, we want to exalt Christ. We want to point people to him. Yes, we want to follow faithfully so that others can follow our example only because we're following him, not because we got it right. And, and so we, we got to stop. Oh, look at, look at the opportunities I have. Look at my gifts. Look at my resources. Look at my privileges. Look at all these things. Guess what? What do you have that wasn't given to you? That's what Paul says. Your money? I know you worked hard, went to college, started a business, whatever. Why do you really have that? Because God gave it to you. Why do you have the platform that you have? Because God gave it to you. Why do you have the gifts that you have? Because God gave it to you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And so if we want to pull back from hypocrisy, let's make sure we're making followers of Christ and not followers of ourselves and followers of our church, followers of Christ. Next, verse 16. Woe to you blind guides. That's an ironic statement, right? You're a guide who can't see. It's like an Uber driver who can't see, right? It's not gonna go well. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold 
sacred. And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, there's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So what's going on here is this. They had all these elaborate rules on, on the promises or the oaths they made, which ones they had to keep and which ones they didn't. So they, they would use their little formulas when, and make promises and oaths that they never intended to keep. So if they swore by this, it was like crossing your fingers behind your back. It was like Willy Wonka, Ruka Saul, right? Right, oh, don't have to do that. But if they swore like this, oh, then I'm tied to this oath. And it was all based on the little formula that they could change like this. Jesus is like, y'all are just blind. You're blind. You swear by the temple, it doesn't count. But you swear by the gold in the temple. You swear by the altar, it doesn't count. But the, oh, it's on. Oh. He's like, that's, it's foolishness. It's rubbish, right? And so here's the flip side. How do we pull back from hypocrisy? How do we say, whoa, have integrity. You say something, do it. Some of you are gonna sign up for something because you're all passionate in the moment. And then three weeks later, you're gonna be like, why did I do that? I don't feel like it, I'm tired. Do it because you said you would do it. That's, that's the idea. Make your yes, yes, and your no, no. Do it. You say, so we see this all the time. I'll, I'll pray for you, brother. Then do it. It'd be better for you to say, I tell you I'd pray for you, but I'm really not going to, but good luck. It'd be better for you to say that than to say, I'll pray for you and not pray for them. Right? That's the idea. Keep your word. Tell the truth. Right? And if something does happen that it was impossible for you to, you committed to this, but we got out of a car wreck or someone got sick, then just own it and say, I am so sorry this happened and I was unable to do it. I am so sorry. Don't make excuses and blame or don't ghost somebody. Just do what you say and say what you do. Make your yes, yes, and your no, and no. Don't exaggerate. Don't, don't make yourself better than you were. None of you were that good in high school athletics. I promise you would be playing on a Sunday if you were. You are Uncle Rico is what you are if you're talking about it, right? Oh, back in the day, I was this. No, you weren't. You weren't. You got cut, right? Don't exaggerate. Your words matter. Keeping your word matters. If you agreed to pay this for this amount of time, well, you're like, I don't really want that. Pay it. That's the point. Pray it. Pay it. And for all the people pleasers in the room, and there's a bunch of y'all, Right? I get it, 50% of you are people pleasers, you hate it, but here's a phrase you need to learn. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. Better for you to say that up front than to say, oh yeah, I'll be there, and then, and then they're depending on you to bring the meal or bring the, get the ride or do whatever, and then you don't show up. Better for you to just say, hey, I just can't do that, I am so sorry, right? Because we wanna have integrity. Because when we don't, we're saying one thing and doing another, which he says, pull back, whoa, from that. Verse 23. Convicted yet? Okay, good. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And this is a, this is a Hebrew humor Right? They would all laugh out loud. We're like, what does that even mean? Right? You know? But they would have laughed out loud because they get the idea of how silly it is to get the, get the strainer out and get the little gnat out 
and then there's a camel sitting in your thing. And they'd be like, oh, ha, ha, and the Pharisees would have been so mad because he's talking about them. But he says, woe to you, why? Because you tithe your spice rack, which is absurd. You're going in and you're like, oh, we got 10 new cumin seeds. Well, here's one. Here, Lord, give me my one seed. All right? It's, it's absurd to, to be that meticulous and then ignore the bigger pieces, the justice and the mercy. And Jesus is not anti-tithing. Remember, tithing is an Old Testament principle that 10% of what you brought in, you were to give back to God. And they didn't have money like we do today. It was not debit cards and everything. So if you were a, yeah, a farmer and it was an agrarian society, you'd give a 10th of your wheat or a 10th of your barley or a 10th of your olives or whatever. And you'd bring that as an object of worship saying, look, God, I trust you with this 10% more than I that you will provide for me this for, with my 90% left over than, than what I could do with 100%. It's an act of worship. Now, did God need their olives? Did God need their wheat? No, but it was a, a sign of, I trust you. This is all from you. And that was good. And it still is. And Jesus is not negating that. He says, you ought to have done that. But you're neglecting the point. You're missing the trees through the forest. You should have done that and the point of righteousness and justice and mercy. So one of the things for us to, to say woe to hypocrisy is let's major on the majors, right? Should you come to church and serve and give and read your Bible and all those things? Yes, of course. But what good is it if you go to your 6 a.m. men's Bible study and then you just go let your whole staff have it because you're just mad about something? What good is that, right? What good is it if you get out of here and you're like, yes, we sang some songs and heard a sermon and then you're cutting people off because you gotta beat the Baptist to the, to the barns, right? What good is it? What good is it if you're, you're going to your Wednesday night Bible study and then you're lying to your parents as soon as you get home? What good is it? The point is this, should we give? Yes, but God doesn't need your 10 cumin seeds. Oh, yes. God doesn't need your money. I don't care how much you give. You give a million dollars a day for the rest of your life. You think God needs your million dollars? The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. He don't need it. Is it an act of worship? Yes. Is it an act of dependence? Yes. But what he, what he wants is, yeah, do that. But then when you have this opportunity that I've set up in your life, this person in need, this person that needs a kind word, you know what's more powerful than a million dollars? It's an encouraging word to someone who's down. That's life-changing. It just is. And that's his point. Don't neglect justice and mercy, forgiving people, not holding grudges. Don't neglect kindness just because you're doing all your religious activities. Should you read your Bible? Yes. Should you go to church? Yes. Should you do? Yes. But don't neglect the greater things. Let's major on the majors. Because it's really easy to say, I check the box, I check the box, look how spiritual I am, and, and be nasty, and be unkind, and be unforgiving, and not defend the widow and orphan, and not help the one who is in need. That's what he's talking about, and that's what they were doing. So we say woe to hypocrisy by, by not focusing on the minors, by focusing on the majors. All right, next two, and these two kind of go together. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. So they would care about the, this, these ceremonies and cleaning the cup and washing it off. A few weeks ago, I, I, I use a different coffee cup every week. 
some of y'all see me, and, and I, I left some coffee in one of mine, and it came like three, four weeks since I used it, and I picked it up, and I was like, whoa, had a little pond going on in there. It was like nasty sludge. The outside looked clean. And if I would have been like, oh, it's okay, the outside's clean, and drank it, I would have been throwing up, and you would have been throwing up watching me throw up, because it was nasty, right? Because the inside was nasty. I often leave my cups around like the one I have on the shelf there, and Miss D, who cleans this room after y'all leave, who rocks it, is faithful. She'll find my cups, and you know what she does? She cleans them thing out. It's clean like new. I'm like, praise God for Miss D. But he's, their point is, you focus on the outside so that everyone sees. You don't care about the inside. And it's nasty. It's sludge. Right? He says, woe to you, Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful. Within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy. This is an image they would have gotten. Because anytime you went up to Jerusalem for a festival, they would paint the graves that were all over the, the mountainside white. Not because they wanted them to be all pretty or something, because if you stepped on it, you were ceremonially unclean. So they would paint them so that you would see where it is so you would avoid them. Now, was it pretty? Yes. But he says, you'll like that. Everyone can see you. And now outside it looks so clean, but inside is maggoty dead stuff. That's y'all. And so here's the point for us. We gotta be careful we're not just cleaning the outside and ignoring the inside. So we need to make sure we're focusing on our hearts this is not about behavior management, about getting a bunch of people to keep a bunch of rules, right? Yeah, we wanna, there are certain things that God says, okay, don't do this, do this. But in the end, we need to get to the root of the issue. Why is it you're constantly lying? What, are you, what, is, what is the root of that? Are you trying to impress people? Or are you trying to feel empty? What, what is it behind that? Why is it that anytime you get lonely, sad, you just get on Amazon and you go crazy and do some Amazon therapy or you self-medicate with this? What is it that's in your soul that's empty that you're trying to fill it with? Let's deal with the heart of it, not the behavior. That's the point. Why is it that you lose your mind every time this happens? That you're so quick to anger What's going on in your heart and in your soul? That's what we want to deal with because we can manage the behavior all day long like they did and it never touched here. But if we get to the heart of the issue, then the behavior will follow. Right? This is why David says, creating me what? A clean heart, renew a right spirit. This is why God says that we have to be born again and he gives us a new heart, a soft heart, one that is tender to the things of God, one that has the desires that he has. And even when there is sin, that, that we, that, that's not what I want. I want this, I want this. And so maybe some of us need to pray, Lord, created me a clean heart. Because we've been trying to manage behavior and manage behavior and manage behavior, but it's not changing anything. I think even the starting place for some of us might be to acknowledge that it's not a behavior issue, it's a heart issue. Because then once you recognize it's, it's deeper, you can actually start getting to the healing of it, right? So focus on the heart, that's how we pull back, that's how we say whoa to hypocrisy. And here's the last one. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets, you decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus, you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. 
so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So basically what's going on is they say, if we lived in the time of Isaiah, if we lived in the time of Elijah, if we lived in the time of Amos, if we lived in the time of fill in the blank, we would never have done those things. We would never have persecuted them. We would have never, 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 never. And Jesus said, y'all are liar, liar, pants on fire. Because you're gonna do the very same thing to me in less than 24 hours. You are going to kill me. You're gonna sell me out to Rome So don't tell me that you're not like your fathers. You're just like them. You are a brood of vipers. You are guilty of the blood from, he says, from Abel, that's Genesis 4, first murder in the Bible, all the way to the last book in the Hebrew Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 24 of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. From that first prophet to that last prophet, you're guilty of them all because you're rejecting me. I send you prophet, you reject them. I send you priest, you reject them. I send you prophetess, you reject them. I send all these people, you reject, 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 reject. Right? And so here's, here's how we pull back from, from hypocrisy. We say, whoa, to hypocrisy, is respond to the message God sends you. Respond to God's messengers. And I'm not talking about a prophet coming down your street. I'm talking about when God speaks, whether it's through his word, through someone like me, through your quiet time, you're watching a preacher on TV, you're listening to a sermon on the radio, you read a blog post, a book, your neighbor who's encouraging you, your roommate who's calling you out, your spouse, your parents, whoever, when God is speaking, respond. Don't say, yeah, I agree, and then go do something different. That's what they did. It doesn't help anything to hear this. Yeah, we worshiped, we heard a sermon. It was good. What was it about? I don't know, but it was good. What are you gonna do about it? I don't know, but it was good. No, respond to the word. Put yourself under the word when God speaks respond. Because here's what happens. If you continually resist God, when you say no, 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 there comes a point when God says, all right, I'm going to give you what you want. You're going to harden your heart. I'm going to even harden it more, which is why the writer of Hebrews says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't be like Israelites of old. Respond. Be soft, soft hearted respond to what God says. Because again, remember the heart of the passage. He says that all these things are gonna come about. Jerusalem's gonna be destroyed in less than 30 years from this day. But his heart is, no, to be tender. I wanted to do this, but you would not listen. And his heart for you today, if you identified one or two of these things, his heart is not, I see you. His heart is, no, repent, return. Because this is the God who you can't fool. He sees right through the mask. He sees right through the pretend and he still loves you and he still desires for you to come to repentance. And so stop hiding. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Because if he's opposed to the proud, he just said it. But he exalts the humble. And so if this is you and you're playing games, you don't need to play games for this God. You don't need to impress him. You can't impress him. Your best day is, is filthiness. He's done everything for us. He sent his son who lived the perfect life, who died in our place for our sins and he was risen from the dead. And he says, now you put your faith in me and then I'll do a work in you. And when you fail, you come back to me. But we don't need to be fake. We don't need to be pretending because he already knows. Well, I think that's enough for today. I pray that God would take one or two of these and make it real. Because y'all, we're broken and sinful, 
but we don't want to be fake. We don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be play actors. And so if God spoke to you in any way, just know it wasn't me. It's him. And respond. Because that's what the people of God do when God speaks. Let me pray and we'll sing. Father, use your word to make us more like your son. Um, I, I pray that there's a lot of challenging things in this text and they are uh, seemingly strong but that's because you desire for us to know you and know what you really want for us. And it's, it's not being fake. It's not hiding. It's not pretending. It's coming in humility saying, I need you, God. I need you. And so we do. We need you. So I pray for help. I pray for growth. And I pray for uh, integrity and honesty and not fakeness. I pray in Christ's name. I do want to invite you, if you need prayer, uh, today, if there's a need, if there's something that is just, you know, it's burden on you. We do have a prayer team that is in the hallway after the service. Go back there. They love to pray for you. They would love to, to, to carry that burden because we don't want to tell you what to do and not walk with you in it. And so if you have a need, that's why we're here. Fill out a connect card, come meet with one of us. Uh, let us pray for you, whatever that is, because that's what we want to do. You guys can stand as we sing.